0: But it is great to be back together as we head into uh, a new year. Last week, uh, last Sunday here, we, we spent the time trying to pause and kind of take a deep breath and, and look back at the year that was. Um, and just make sure that we recognized all the ways God has continued to show himself as good and faithful and present and loving and gracious and all the things. And we heard uh, so many stories. It is regularly one of my favorite Sundays of the year, just to hear how uh, we remember that God has worked in and through his church. Well, this morning is a little bit of the opposite. We've stepped into the new year, and so now we want to look ahead. Uh, This Sunday is a little bit of a time maybe where we uh, kind of rally the troops, if you will. If we uh, were coming back off holidays, we've eaten maybe a little bit too much turkey and treats and all the things of time. Okay, what do we focus on for the next year. And this is kind of the the, the Sunday morning where we sort of cast the, the mission, cast the vision for the upcoming season here at Trinity. And it's also a good opportunity for, for some who are maybe new with us, which is fantastic, and love to have uh, visitors with us. Special welcome to you, or, or many have, have joined us over the last year or so, uh, to kind of give you a, a, a bit of a look at who Uh, we believe God has called us to be and where God is leading us as a church. Now, hopefully you've seen this phrase before, but we've said that our mission as a church, we say that we exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And it's been a few years since we put this phrase together, but it it took a while to to kind of uh, put together, to wordsmith, to really uh, take time to look at pretty much every word that's up there and say, is this what we want to talk about? Is this who we want to be? Is this kind of a succinct, memorable phrase? Hopefully it is. And we really said, we kind of boiled down the reason we exist as a church to really two things. One, we want to see lives transformed. We believe the gospel transformed lives. We've heard stories of life transformation, and we want to see that continued. And the second thing we want to see, it's not just that first kind of instant uh, transformation that we want to see, though we do, but we want to see people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, again, there's a couple of key words there that are, are worth defining a little bit to, again, get us on the same page heading into the new year and say, okay, this is the benchmark, this is the plumb line, this is the target that we're, we're aiming at with, with everything we do. And the first is that word Transformed. Uh, And this is a word that we really specifically chose from Romans 12, verse two, where where Paul writes this. He says, do not be conformed to this age as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago when he wrote it. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. And if you've heard me talk about our mission and and, and vision and these kinds of things before, you're going to hear the same couple of things again, and that's okay. But there's a couple of things that I want us to think of instantly when we hear this word transformed. And the first is not just like a power generator, not just a movie that Michael Bay did way too many of, uh, not just transformers kind of things, but think metamorphosis. Think massive transformation. Think Caterpillar to butterfly. And remember, a butterfly never goes back to being a caterpillar. It doesn't happen, right? It's a a complete, total, world-changing, outlook-changing transformation. The caterpillar doesn't fly either, right? Like, it's it's massive. The second thing I want you to uh, remember when you hear this word transformed is the English language is terrible. You've heard me say this before. It doesn't describe things as well as it should. There are other languages that do a way better job. So grammatically, without this turning into a Greek language uh, study, the, the, the phrase here, the verb here is, is better transformed into English to say be being transformed, which is awkward and clumsy, and that's why we don't say it in English, because English is limited. But this is a continual process. So for those of us who feel like, Sean keeps saying I'm supposed to be transformed and not go back, but I feel like I keep going back, it's okay. It's a continual process of renewal. We're not there yet. You're not there yet. I'm not there yet. None of us have arrived. It's a continual process. We are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The other thing that comes out of the the grammar, kind of, if you will, is, is that this isn't a transformation that we can sort of muster up and manufacture ourselves. It's an action being done to us, which should give us an opportunity to take a deep breath and say, okay, it means it's actually something that's done by the Holy Spirit, We're being acted on to create transformation. We don't have to will it on ourselves. That means we actually have to be willing to be molded and shaped and transformed. And some of those things are not comfortable or easy or smooth sailing. But we're allowing something outside of us to do that. We're asking God to be the one who is transforming us. It's a recognition as well that as much as our culture says, hey, you do you. Whatever feels good, do it. Whoever you think you are, live it out to the fullest. As much as our culture says that, we say no. And we choose to look to our creator for our meaning, our purpose, our values, our morals, our identity, and more. We, we are renewing our minds. We're trying to think about the way we think. And what influences the way that we think? And we want to allow God to influence that. We want to see people transformed to to kind of grasp and put our hands on some biblical themes. We want to see people transformed from from darkness into light. And over the the Christmas season, we, we read the verse, those who are living in darkness have seen a great light. We want to let Jesus transform us. We want to be transformed and be being transformed like like Ezekiel was told, that that God will will take our hearts of stone, the the cold, unfeeling, not sure of themselves, hearts of stone, and transform them into a heart of flesh. We want to see people transformed from from spiritual death into spiritual life. And then we want to see that transformation continue, to see people who were once not in a relationship with God to be transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And just to be as clear as I can, we actually get this mission from Jesus itself, himself. This isn't something that you know, a, a few elders sat down and thought, what's a great inspirational phrase that we can set a, at our, in, in front of us and head after. Uh, in Luke five thirty-two, uh, the message paraphrase, Jesus says this, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life. Changed inside and out. This is an invitation for everyone. Jesus, later in the book of Matthew, says, uh, your Father in heaven doesn't want to lose even one. And in Luke 19, Jesus says that, I came to seek and save the lost, those who were once in spiritual darkness, in spiritual light and life. And so, We long to be a church that sees people transformed from from not having a relationship with God to becoming fully devoted followers, or another word is disciples, or yet another word is apprentices of Jesus. Lately, I've really liked that word apprentice to kind of uh, carefully substitute for the word disciple, and there's a couple reasons for that. I think the word apprentice... Uh, sort of add something to the word disciple appropriately. Add something to the word disciple. How many, uh, if you grew up in around in a church, uh, had a program at your church that taught you how to be a disciple, and it was labeled 101, 201, 301, 401? Anyone else? I know you did. You're at our church too. A few, at least, right? and that's, that's, there's value in classes, there's value in, we, we have to train, we have to do these things, but when I look at a plan like that, one, two, three, four, there's an order, when I finish four, guess what I think? (coughs) Done. I have arrived. I am now a disciple. You should all come sit at my feet, and I'll start teaching 101, right? But is that what it means to be transformed? We just talked about this in Romans 12, right? No, it's being transformed. You never arrive. And so a disciple is a great word. It means learner. It means one who studies. It means one who who follows in the tracks of his teacher. And that's great. But, But what we're called to is so much more than just being a learner. And when I think of an apprentice, it doesn't matter what field or what trade I think of an apprentice in? I think of somebody who's working alongside an expert, who is, who is working and learning and growing under the supervision and training of a master. I think of someone with, with, with dirty hands. They're, they're, they're right in the mix of the work, right? They're not on the outside. They're not just studying from a book and then saying, I know this. It's, it's working side by side with the master. It's, it's trying, it's working. It's do you think apprentices get everything right the first time they're told to do something? Not a chance. What about the second time? Or third time? Or fourth time? Or tenth time? Or sometimes hundredth time? Maybe they have to switch masters a couple of times at that point. But, but it takes time, right? We're, we're allowed to make mistakes and learn from them and move on. So I think apprentice is really a helpful picture for us. Uh, One definition that I find really particularly helpful when we talk about fully devoted followers or disciples or apprentices is this. A disciple or an apprentice of Jesus is a follower who is determined to be like his master or her master, let's be clear, and to carry on the work. A disciple or an apprentice is a follower who is determined to become like their master and to carry on the work of the master. And there's really, again, two pieces to that. There's becoming like, and there's carrying on the work. This isn't a passive thing. And so a, a disciple of Jesus is a follower who's determined to become like Jesus, as much as that is possible in our humanity, and to also carry on the work that Jesus started and demonstrated for us. What uh, what might this look like? What can this look like? Uh, Let me maybe reintroduce uh, a definition uh, or the the kind of the principle of a disciple. Uh, It's been a while since i talked about it, but we've called it the the 3D definition of discipleship. Uh, It's from an author named Craig Etheridge, and he says this. When you think of 3D, something three-dimensional... It's it's fully orbed and lifelike. In the same way, a true disciple or apprentice of Jesus has three dimensions that make him or her fully mature, fully orbed, and Christ-like. Three Ds. And because it's 3D, three dimension, they're all going to be starting with the letter D. The first D is devoted. This is the start of every single person's discipleship journey. This is where we, we cry out and we, we sing that last song, Create in me a clean heart, God. I, I can't do it myself. Jesus, you have to do it. This is where we, where we turn from our sin and turn towards Jesus as the forgiver and leader and master of our lives. We become devoted to him. There is actually no disciple without this, without conversion. I've been starting to read uh, from the beginning of the New Testament as we start this new year, and when Jesus preached his first kind of recorded sermon You all wish that I preached more like this, but do you know what it was? Repent and believe. That's all that's recorded. We could get out of here a lot faster if that's all we preach, right? But that's it. That's that's the start of the journey. Repent and believe. Being devoted to Jesus means, means recognizing that every single one of us and every person on the planet has fallen short of God's design for them and every one of us is separated from God and helplessly and hopelessly lost. But Jesus came. God's only son came and lived a perfect, sinless life, yet died a criminal's death on a cross. And on that cross, he took on the punishment for our sins and absorbed uh, the wrath of God for uh, our sins and took that on our behalf. And he died and was buried but three days later was raised from the dead, conquering Satan, sin, and death once and for all. And so if we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus, he promises to forgive us and to restore our broken relationship with God. The first step in becoming a disciple is to become devoted to Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans ten nine if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe this morning that, that's the next step that many of us need to take is maybe that first commitment, maybe that renewed devotion to Jesus. See, a true disciple is one who is devoted to Jesus and has been born into God's family through faith in Jesus. They've, they have stepped into the role of apprentice, if you will. Now, the second dimension of a, of a disciple or an apprentice in this sort of 3D model, if you will, is that he or she is progressively developing the character and competencies of Jesus in their life. They are apprenticing, so they're working side by side with the master and they're trying to learn from the master and become like the master. See, a disciple is always developing, always developing. A disciple is someone who follows the master in order to become more like them. So if we're disciples of Jesus, we are following Jesus in order to become more like him and allowing him to transform us to be more like him. The big theological word for this is sanctification. It's one worth knowing and remembering. And this is a process in which the Spirit of God begins to mold and shape and carve off and cut off and rebuild those parts of our life that need to be dealt with in order to shape us into the image of Christ. And Jesus actually prayed for each of his disciples, which includes us, that we would be sanctified, that we would be transformed. The night before his death, he prayed in, uh, it's recorded in John 17. He prays that they, their disciples, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, but sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now there are Again, within this sort of model, there are two primary ways that we need to develop. We've talked about uh, the character and competencies of the one you're apprenticing under. We want to talk about character as being Christ-likeness on the inside. It's um, a little bit remarkable, and we'll get back to this probably a little bit later uh, in the year. But a lot of times when the New Testament talks about what a, a follower of Jesus looks like or is... It's not about what they do, it's about character, how they act. A couple of passages that sort of fit into this, Philippians 2, Paul writes, everyone should look not to his or her own interests, but rather to the interests of others, and adopt the same attitude of Christ Jesus. As we strive to grow in Christ-likeness on the inside, we look to the fruit of the Spirit. From Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, is any disciple or apprentice perfect at this? No, not on this side of heaven. But by the grace of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are progressing, we are developing this kind of character. The other thing we want to develop is competencies. As you're studying under an, uh, as an apprentice under a master, hopefully you get better at doing the things the master has done. And so when Jesus called the disciples in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when he said to the disciples, hey, come follow me, he didn't hand them a textbook and say, okay, read this. There's an exam in six weeks. No, he, he took them with him. They spent every hour of the day with him. He trained them to carry on the work that they saw him doing. Some of the things that we read in the Gospels that the disciples learned from Jesus how to do, saw him doing often, the disciples would have learned how to read and understand the scriptures. Jesus quoted the Bible a ton. He knew his scriptures. He knew his Bible, and so we need to grow in our competency with the Bible, when they followed Jesus, they would have learned how to pray again and again. We read in the New Testament that Jesus, he went aside, sometimes in the early of the morning, he, he escaped the crowds to pray. And eventually the disciples said, hey Jesus, something you're doing is different than what we've done. Can you teach us to pray? As they tracked with Jesus, as they learned from him, they learned how to communicate the gospel. They learned how to take repent and believe and to, to apply it to different situations and different life stages and different lifestyles and all the things. They learned how to communicate the gospel. As they, they followed Jesus, an apprentice under Jesus, they learned how to care for people. They learned how to treat people who were different than them. There's a couple of uh, examples that stand out to me right away. There's one time they came to a, a paralytic or a, a man with a deformed foot, I think, and they said, hey, Jesus, who sinned so that this guy was you know, laid up like this. Whose fault is it? She's like, no, you're th- you're asking the wrong questions and thinking the same things, Think- thinking the wrong things. If we look to Jesus, we see him treating people different than culture told, than religion told, than our culture today tells us to deal with people. When they tracked with Jesus, when they spent those three years apprenticing with Jesus, they, they saw God's heart for humanity and how it's different from the world. They, they saw how every single person has value and worth, not because of their race or background or status or earning power or identity or anything else other than they were created in the image of God. And as they followed Jesus, they learned how to invest their lives into others so that others too would learn how to carry on the work of the master. Again, learning these competencies is a lifelong pursuit in growing like Christ-likeness, both inside and outside. So a disciple, an apprentice, a, a follower of Jesus is devoted, developing, and finally deployed. Deployed. Disciples engage in the ministry of Jesus. They, they don't just watch the master work if they're apprentices. They get in there and they do it themselves as well. They, they head out to reach the lost and invest in a few. Deployed is an action work. You can't, you can't be sitting down and being deployed. You have to be moving. You have to be doing something. It means leaving the safety of home and going out into enemy territory and engaging in battle. See, a true disciple isn't just someone who believes in Jesus, reads their Bible, and shows up at CanGolf on Sunday at 9.30. But a true disciple is actively developing, but also deployed to reach people for Christ and walking them towards maturity. Again, Craig Etheridge writes, one day as Jesus was traveling from village to village, teaching and ministering to the crowds, he was overcome with compassion. He saw that the crowds were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That comes from Matthew 9. the word harassed is skulo, and it means to be maligned or torn apart or cut to the bone, not just insulted by some not-so-kind words. And the word helpless actually means to be thrown to the ground. So when Jesus looked at the crowds and was overcome with compassion, he saw the people the way his father saw them, victims of the enemy. They were hurt, betrayed, abused, turned apart, torn apart, beat down, discarded, and walked on. And he saw that they had no one to look after them or care for them. Now, I, I, I know I've said this before, but we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, but there are people all around us, maybe even in the room, definitely on our streets, and in our grocery stores, and in our coffee shops, and all the places that we are during the week, who are hurt, betrayed, abused, torn apart, beat down, discarded, and locked on. There are people struggling to make ends meet, struggling to get by. They're, They're running from broken or abusive relationships, or in broken and abusive relationships. There are people all around us who are longing to find acceptance, who are trying to find meaning in their lives, and are chasing after everything this world has to offer in an effort to find true life. But Jesus taught his disciples, and the the New Testament continues to teach this as well, that there's more to the world than just the physical world that we can see, but there's a spiritual realm too. And the war for souls is real. Think Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the armor of God and saying, you know, our battle isn't against, against flesh and blood, but it's against, uh, it's in the spiritual realm. And so Jesus' heart was for the broken, the harassed, the helpless, those who don't yet know God, who aren't finding their identi- identity and who Jesus says they are, and his heart still breaks for them, and our heart should too. And Jesus also told us the solution in Matthew chapter 9. He looked at the crowds, and, and he was overcome with compassion. He saw crowds that were, that were beaten and broken down, helpless, and, and he looked to his disciples and said, the harvest is abund- abundant, but the workers are few. There's, there's plenty of work to be done. There are people just waiting, just waiting to be told what the meaning of life is, just waiting to be told that they're loved, just waiting to be told that they're enough, just waiting to be told that they, they have purpose, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into that harvest. Deployed disciples are ones who pray that prayer, but are also the answer to that prayer. We, we pray that the Lord would send more workers into the harvest, that he would give us more opportunities to go and, and share, that, that he would open doors for us to speak the gospel in, in places that, that maybe we can't today. And then we look for opportunities to go and do exactly that. To head into the world where people are harassed and helpless and bring the hope and good news of the gospel and shine the light of Jesus everywhere. So a true disciple is a person who is devoted to Jesus, one who is developing the character and competencies of Jesus and is deployed into the ministry of Jesus by reaching the lost and also investing in the few to take them along and and deploy them later as well. And I know, even as I go through this again today, I, I'm thinking, and I'm sure you're thinking too, man, that's, that's a high bar. Yeah, it is. And that's the target. That's, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we as a church are striving to help people be being transformed into. Now, will we get this right every time, every day? No. But it's progress, right? We're aiming for progress. At Trinity Bible Church, we exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So how are we doing this? And this is maybe where it shifts a little bit from um, how are we as individuals doing this to how are we as a church doing this? What are we looking forward to in the new year? And this is, this is a fluid list, I'll say again, because we always want to be evaluate what we're doing to stay laser-focused on the mission. That means some things are going to get added to this list. Some things will have run their course and be removed from this list. And some things will think, this is a great idea, but there's another church in town or in the Bow Valley that's doing this, and we're just going to cheer them on. We're going to support them any way we can. But let them keep doing that, and we're going to do our thing. And a lot of things on this list, you might say, well, you said that fit in this category, but it fits somewhere else. That's true. Some of these things are, are multiple categories as well. What are we looking forward to for 2024? First and foremost, I think we're looking forward to progress in our building project. When I, uh, I've been reminded of this several times recently. When, when we were interviewing to come here, it would have been probably March or April 2017. I was out. We were at what's now the Mountain House Hotel for dinner, and someone asked me, Sean, we might be headed into a building project. How do you feel about that? And it was not on like the job description. It wasn't on the. It was not anywhere yet until this question. And um, you know, I I think by God's grace, my answer was, well, why are we building? Are we building just because? Are we building to say, look at us? Or are are we building because we we really need the space? We need a ministry center. We need a ministry hub, a, a, a beacon of light. I don't think I used those words, but I'm going to today. A beacon of light to the Bow Valley. Uh, what are we doing? Because if we're just, I'm not interested in building for building's sake, but, but if it's going to drive forward the kingdom, then, then I'll take the lumps. Not knowing what I was fully getting into <laughs> at that point. But we do anticipate getting into the ground with this building in the spring hopefully, Lord willing, and it will be a hub. It'll be a ministry hub. We, we've, I think we've noticed in the last three months, three months or so how much we took for granted actually having a permanent building that we could meet in at any time, that we could store stuff in, that the music stuff was left plugged in all week, and we could just, you know, tune and go every Sunday morning kind of thing. We are building a, 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 a central hub, but also a place. It is It is particularly special and rare to own land in the Bow Valley, I think especially as a church. And so this spot will, will, I I believe with all my heart, shape the kingdom for generations to come. This isn't about me and and my time. This isn't about you. Hopefully, hopefully, I trust it will be there, transforming people to be fully devoted followers of Christ when every single one of us in the room is long gone. So we're excited about that. Please keep praying for that. Some of the things we are doing to help people become devoted followers, that first part, to introduce people to Jesus. One maybe obvious thing is Sunday services. We're here every Sunday. The goal of our services isn't just to uh, catch up, to drink coffee, to have someone sing some songs for us and then head out. But our, our goal of our services is to make much of Jesus. The goal of our services is to remind one another of the gospel. And the goal of our services is to be in awe of all that God has done for us. A uh, little bit of sort of uh, foreshadowing, if you will, some upcoming preaching schedule. Uh, Starting next week, we're going to start a series on the Lord's Prayer simply called Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Anyone feel like they could learn how to pray better? (laughs) Me too. Really excited about that one. Following that, we're going to do a a, a short uh, few-week series called uh, Is It Okay for a Christian to fill in the blank? And for this one, I need your help. Uh, Probably by this week, by the uh, time the directions goes out on Thursday our email goes out Thursday, there will be a, a Google form where you can sign in and say, I want to know if it's okay for a Christian to do this. And so this, that series is going to be shaped by you, uh, not by me. We're going to compile those questions, answers, and uh, try to find answers. And some of the most common things are the, the, the topics we'll take through those weeks. So watch that. Uh, if you don't see that survey on our social or in the newsletter, you can always send me an email or a text or a phone call or whatever else. We'll then hit Easter, which will be a fantastic celebration of the gospel again to remind ourselves that Jesus came and died for us and rose again. And following Easter, we've got penciled in a, a series on uh, faith foundations. Okay, so, so Jesus died and rose again. What does that mean? What are we saying that we believe if we are following this Jesus? So that's going to take us the next few months. Ways that we are helping people become devoted, introducing people to Jesus. We have started a youth group, it's continuing on. I've heard so many great things. Uh, I'm so excited for uh, our leaders leading it, Peyton, and Lane's leading it as well. I heard great things about both of them. Wednesday night, it's for middle school age kids, so grade four to six. Uh, they're meeting at Crossway Church now uh, for a couple of reasons. One is we want to partner with their church to do this. Uh, second, uh, their facility will be there longer than ours will over here <laughs> at this stage. Uh, so we're, we're, we're meeting there uh, 6.30 till 8, right? Yeah, 6.30 till 8. Um, Crossway Church, super excited about that continuing uh, we have dates for our summer sports camp. We've done it two years in a row. We've got another one lined up this year. Again, an email will go out to all past participants uh, this week, probably. August 12th to 16th, uh, we had, uh, again, our, our numbers doubled year over year for that camp. Uh, and we had a number uh, of kids who didn't know Jesus but were there. So we were able to introduce them to Jesus. Uh, there are a lot of informal, invitable events that that... I'm not planning to plan, uh, but they just sort of happen. Things like midweek bike rides, hikes, skis. Uh, Really easy to invite someone out that will maybe chase you around a trail but may not yet feel comfortable coming even to golf for church. Uh, We hope to do church in the park again. Uh, Maybe, uh, probably not on our new site due to construction and that kind of things. Uh, Christmas Eve service we'll do again is, again, the plan. Uh, This year, if you didn't hear Uh, We went last year, 2022, uh, we kind of resurrected the community Christmas Eve service. We had about 130 people attend, which was great. Uh, So we thought, well, we'll do it again. Uh, Partnered with the Karen Church in town to do that uh, and thought, well, maybe it'll grow a little bit. So I printed 150 bulletins. We ran out of them by 15 minutes before the service started. The room was packed. We had 250 people in the room kind of thing. Just an amazing, uh, amazing time. And we also want to keep looking at ways to be present and active in our community. One of the, the highlights of the building process so far, I, I think, was, <laughs> I say this in hindsight, was standing in front of council and telling them why we exist and, and being able to go through all the ways that, that we actually do love and serve our community. And we want to keep doing that. And, and I was... Uh, frankly shocked that the list kept growing and growing and growing. And we, we heard when the, the zoning decision came down, we heard from one of the counselors that uh, I was first against this, not really a church person, but you guys add value and love and support our community. Let's do it. Amazing. One of the ways uh, that we are going to be active in our community is the coldest night of the year, February 24th. Uh, A walk, you can head to cnoy.org Canmore. Look for the Trinity Trekkers team and join us there. I did, uh, it was posted on their social and Stan mentioned it to me after last week. If you can't actually make the 24th, you can go for a walk another time and still kind of be a part of the event. So those are some of the ways that we want to see people become devoted, to, to meet Jesus maybe for the first time. To help people develop character and competencies of Jesus. There are are currently running two Bible studies and a care group. Uh, There's room for expansion there. And so those leaders who are running those things, when other groups start, don't feel like we're saying, well, I don't fit there or there or there. I'm going to go do my own thing. But if we look around the room, we regularly have 75 to 85 adults in a room. We need more than three groups if everyone wants to be a part of a group. So there is room for expansion. Uh, Ways to develop character. Uh, This past year, we we ran a round of freedom session, and we hope to do it again, uh, maybe launching in the fall. Uh, We have, as a church, a subscription to an online service called Right Now Media, if you haven't heard of that before. uh, It's a collection of thousands of videos, Christian videos, some Bible studies, some other teachings, tons of kids stuff too. Uh, I... I think our kid, at least some of our kids downstairs are using that in their Sunday school. Uh, we have had and will continue to sort of promote Bible reading plans. One of the raised, ways to actually get better at reading the Bible is to read the Bible. So let me challenge you. Uh, if you want to grow in your Bible reading, find somebody to read it with. It's way easier when I know someone's going to say, hey, did you read today, than when I'm just trying to do the checklist myself. Another way uh, we want to continue to grow and develop the character and competencies of Jesus is to pray. And so starting not this Tuesday, but next on the 16th, we want to have a prayer meeting Tuesday nights at the house at 105 Harvey Heights, uh, evenings 7.30 till 8.30. There'll be more info about that coming out, but that's starting the 16th. Finally, to deploy people. Uh, it's been one of the one of the highlights of leaving our building and coming here is it's kind of ruffled things a little bit. It's changed who we are a little bit as a church and what it takes to pull off a Sunday service. So I have seen lots of people step up and set up chairs and tear down chairs and and serve and and step into uh, leadership roles and step into things that they weren't doing at the last place, and it's been beautiful. We expect to kind of continue to see that happening. And I know that there are, are many of us who are ready to be deployed, but maybe feel like, ah, I, I'm not there yet. Someone else can do it. Someone else probably should do it. But you've been in a Bible study. You've been in the care group. You've, you've got gifts. You've got abilities. It doesn't take a whole lot of skill or ability to straight... Sorry, Craig and Jan. To set up and straighten chairs on a morning. Like, I, I, you did a great job. I'm so thankful. But anyone can do that, right? For some of us, it's, it's simply time to, to, to get off the bench and get in the game and find a way that, that God is calling you to serve his kingdom. All the things that, that, that I mentioned that we're doing as a church and, and things that we are hoping to grow into, they need champions. They need someone to say, yes, I, I, can, I can give some time to that. I can offer some leadership. I can just offer a place for someone else to lead it in my home, whatever that might look like. And again, no one expects perfection on the first time. So where do we go? What are our next steps? For some, it's time to be devoted or to renew our devotion, renew our commitment. Maybe you've been around church for a while, but when I described what it means to follow Jesus, you're not sure if you're there yet. Uh, you can do that today. You can pray a simple prayer, something like, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to put my hope in you. I, I believe your death on the cross paid the price for my sin, and your resurrection means I can be adopted into your family. Welcome to the family. The next thing we, we all want to work on is, is developing the character and competencies, competencies of God. And I, again, this is something we each as individuals need to, I think, constantly be praying, God, where do I need to grow? What are, you, what are you calling me to this year? For for some, maybe it's time you 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 stepped out and said, It's time to be baptized. It's time to to publicly declare my inward decision to be devoted to Jesus, and it's time to be baptized. We've got two people already asking to be baptized this year, and I've said, the lake is so cold. We gotta find another solution, and we're gonna find another solution. But if you've never been baptized, I'd love to talk with you about that. Uh, another way to work on developing uh, character and competencies, read your Bible. Find someone to read it with. Join a small group. Pray for others. It's, it's remarkable. I, I've seen this many times on, on social or whatever. It's remarkable how you can't be angry at someone when you're praying for them. Like, there's so much division in our world, but it's hard to really, like, be divided and be against something if you're praying for that group or that person to come to know Jesus. Pray for others. Serve at or serve with the church. Take time to practice talking about Jesus, and then tell others about who he is to you. One of the... um, Advantages, maybe, of our radically individual culture is that nobody's story can be wrong, which can cause a lot of problems. But when I say my life has been radically changed by Jesus, you actually can't argue with me because that's my truth, right? So there's, I don't want to say there's too many advantages to radical individualism, but that's maybe, that's one. Make time to meet And be with other apprentices of Jesus. It doesn't have to be in a structured group. It doesn't have to be in something that the church has planned and put on a night. Just be intentional with that time. Share what you're learning, where you're struggling. Confess sin and pray together. Pray together. And at any point in your development, it's time to be deployed. It's time. We have lots of opportunities to serve uh, in and around our church. Just ask. be happy to plug you in. So, again, maybe some next steps, just the next step on your path, on your apprenticeship. For some, it's going to be committing to regular attendance, to say, you know what, you know what? I'm actually going to block off Sunday mornings, and I'm going to block off Saturday nights so that I can make it there Saturday morning, Sunday morning, excuse me, and I'm going to commit to come and be a part of this church family. Maybe maybe the next step on your apprenticeship to Jesus is actually going to someone else and asking them to pray with you or for you, kind of kind of putting yourself out there and say I, I need I need you to pray for me. That'd be amazing. That's a great next step. Maybe uh, for some, uh, our our next step is to start. Uh, giving, or start regularly giving to the church and saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm committed and here's how I'm showing my commitment as well. I, I'm letting God be the God of my finances. For some, it's, it's serving. It's actually doing something. It might look like hosting people or hosting a group in your home. You don't even have to lead sometimes. You just have to open the door and say, someone, please, come run this thing. Or maybe it is leading a group. There are lots of next steps that we can take and ultimately, we, we all have to constantly, I, I've said it before it's today already, constantly and regularly praying, asking the Lord to show us where we're at in our development and deployment. I say, okay, wher, what do I need to work on this next season? Where would you have me go in this next season? God, here's all the things that are going on. I've got more capacity, I've got less capacity, but how do I serve you in this season? Now, that's a, a lot, and I know that. And, and it's, it's always a risk to say kind of all the things and then be like, just leave you with, there's too much analysis paralysis, I can't pick anything, so I'm not going to do anything. But in, in light of all that, my biggest hope for us as a church is that this year we would grow in our relationship to Jesus that in a year's time, at the the, the last Sunday of this year when we do our looking back service, we'll be able to look back and every one of us will be able to see ways that the Lord has shaped us, changed us, grown us, drawn us to him. I hope and, and pray that our year would be one of an apprentice, working side by side with the master, learning from the master, becoming more like the master. There's a couple of words that um, I think speak to this, but I'm I'm sort of personally trying to cling to this year, and those words are are awe and abide. Uh, I I want to grow, and I want us to grow in our, our awe for Jesus. Vern said it earlier, but Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. I need to learn to just be still sometimes. Earlier in the Psalm, Psalm 274. Psalmist writes, I have asked one thing from the Lord. This is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. I I want in a year's time to for that to be more true of me than it is today. That the one thing I'm chasing after, the the one goal for my life and for our life as a church is just to dwell in the house of the Lord and invite other people into. And I want us to grow and I want me to grow in my connection with Jesus. The sort of passage there, John 15:5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I'm really good at trying to do things myself to make it happen. I want to learn to just abide. Just let Jesus work through me, through his church. Now, if you have uh, any questions about any of this, I'd love to chat. Uh, You can reach out to myself or any one of our elders as well. Mm -hmm. But may 2024 be another year of your apprenticeship to Jesus when we are devoted, developing, and deployed. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all the amazing things that you have done through this local church. As we come up on our 35th anniversary this year, we've got a a really special history in the Bow Valley. And Jesus, we look forward to all the things you will continue to do through your church, the things that you have for us, in the coming days and weeks and months and year. Jesus, thank you that you did come and, and you showed us how to relate to God. You lived a perfect holy life. You died on the cross for our sins. You, you were raised again. And invite us to be a part of your family, to, to cling to your work on the cross and, and have that relationship with God, that relationship with you renewed. And so as we strive to grow in that this year, as a church and as individuals, I I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal in our lives the the places we need to to work on, areas for growth and development. And I pray that you would also uh, point out to us ways that you have for us to be deployed into ministry this year. Maybe it means evaluating our schedules and cutting some things, reorganizing some things. Maybe it means taking a step back because it is a, 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 a certain busy stage or season. But I pray that you would encourage every single one of us that, that you have something for us. You are still working in us and through us and every single one of us can build your kingdom. I thank you so much that you work in and through us and we look forward to what you have for us this year. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.